This is Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates, and this is the Retirement Ready Show. Our goal is to educate you on the many topics of retirement and inform you how to create a successful Retirement Ready Roadmap. Thank you for joining me today for another episode where we will make your Retirement Ready Roadmap simple. I'm Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates. You can always visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Lots of great ways to connect. Maybe you have a quick question. You can set up a complimentary 15-minute phone call, excuse me, or maybe you'd like a second set of eyes on your plan. You might have created your own plan, or maybe you haven't even started. Don't panic. In any of those cases, we are happy to help. We have a two-step complimentary process where we will go through the five stops on the Retirement Ready Roadmap for you and give you that second set of eyes or create that plan for the first time. You can get access to our calendar, set that up in person or virtually right at retirementreadyshow.com. And for our great friends in Wisconsin, we have some great evening workshops coming up. We're kind of zooming into the holiday season here. So not not a ton with the holidays, but on November 1st and 2nd, we're going to be in Muskego, 6.30 p.m., one hour talking about the current state of the economy, interest rates, government shutdowns, all these things that can feel scary, rising taxes, but we don't want you to be afraid. We want you to be prepared. There's some great things you can do to prepare yourself ahead of time, and we're going to give you some actionable steps you can take. We do need folks to register ahead of time. You can see those dates and times and register right at retirementreadyshow.com. Got my buddy Randy, Hey, Tom. Randy Winkler. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? Good. We got to come up with a good nickname. I don't know. Oh, I've had a few nicknames over the years. And I kind of like the gray hair, the like gray fox, or I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like the salt and pepper hair. Oh, well, I have to, you have to work on I got to get used to it because my beard's going salt and pepper. And I got a little red in there for my Scottish side, but I, I got a whole mixture of colors in my beard. I call it going blonde. There so, you go. There I'm you not go. going gray. I'm going blonde. That's right. <laughs> well, if it was a black and white movie, it could be blonde. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. Well, welcome everybody to the show. And I want to talk a little bit this week about legacy planning. And I think, you know, Randy, we've gotten a, a few people, quite a few people have reached out since we've done that that uh, week specifically on taxes. And I think the two topics will tie well together because, you know, I think you say it best, Randy, when you save up, you know, the question is, do I have enough? And then when you can answer that question, I, I probably have more than enough then what do I want to see happen with it? And do I want Uncle Sam to be the biggest beneficiary? So, you know, folks have probably heard the term legacy planning tossed around, maybe from friends, TV, or, you know, some financial source that you read. And maybe you thought that's for people with big mansions, even bigger bank accounts, not for someone like me. I want I want you to kind of question that thinking. Legacy planning isn't just about deciding who gets the beach house or the vintage car collection. I don't, I don't have either of those, Randy. Do you? Or? I do not. Yeah, me either. That sounds nice. But it's really about being ready for life's curveball, setting up safeguards. You want to protect your wishes. You want to make sure you have a plan in place for you and your loved ones, no matter how big or small a bank account might be. So today we're going to dive deep into some common blunders folks make when it comes to planning or not planning for their estate. But more importantly, we're going to chat about ways to avoid them. So buckle up. Let's jump in here. And I, I think this stuff matters to all of us. And when when you think, Randy, about our financial advisory practice, we're not just about numbers and spreadsheets. We're really about helping you turn your life 
into a lasting legacy. And a lot of folks we work with have a deep wish to not just build wealth, but to share it, making a real difference in their loved ones' lives, maybe charities, things that are important to you, whether it's setting them up for the here and now or helping to ensure that they have a comfortable future. We really want to help you do that. And we're passionate about making your legacy vision come to life. So don't wait another day. Let's get together. Give us a call for a complimentary consultation. We can talk about your dreams and how to make those a reality. And I think, Randy, as we jump in, getting your estate in order can be a big part of retirement planning. In a bit, we're going to dive into some of the general principles that help you kind of do that in a sound way. But the magic really happens in our one-on-one consultations. And we're not just here to provide cookie-cutter solutions. We're really passionate about crafting these for you. And and I think, you know, Randy, legacy planning is one of those topics that's hard for people. You know, I think there's sometimes our role as financial advisors, fiduciaries, or both CFPs is to bring up some of those topics that nobody wants to talk about that are uncomfortable, that maybe it's the risk of winding up in a nursing home or talking about one of the two of us passing away, Mm -hmm. both of us, what that looks like. God forbid someone passed early. Uncomfortable topics, but really important to plan for. Yeah, and there's an order that you want to go through when you're looking at these things. And I had the thought of when you you get on a plane and you hear the – the uh, flight attendant give the instructions and they say in the in the event of a loss of cabin pressure put your mask on first and then put it on your child that's kind of the same thing you have to have your retirement in place you need to make sure that you're going to be okay that you're not living with your kid before you can start thinking about okay what is going to what am i going to leave behind and as our buddy Brad often says, a lot of people have a portfolio, but they don't have a plan. So that first step is to get that plan. And what we do is we gather all the information and we run the data out to age 100. And if you're at 100 and you've got a lot of money left over, well, then you can start talking about legacy and estate planning and how that looks. If you're not going to, you know, if you're going to run out of money a little bit early, we got to do some tweaking and then legacy maybe gets put on the back burner. Until we take care of a few things. But let's assume that it's the, it's the case of like most of the people that we meet with, they're very happily surprised to see that they are going to have some assets left over. And in some cases, it's substantial. I met with somebody the other day, and they're going to have about $8 million left over just with some conservative forecasts. Wow. You know what's funny, too, Randy? Do you have this experience? Of what I found, I've had some opportunity to do some volunteering with young men and really just take, teaching some basic financial life skills that, unfortunately, they don't learn in school anymore. But they always kind of, once they get to know me, they tease me a little bit. Oh, Tony, you know, your millionaire clients, they were, you know, big muckety-mucks that are inherited a lot of money. And that's not the reality for most of the, the clients we met with. Certainly, there, there's people that have some generational wealth, and, and that's great. And, and there's some people that have had some really high-paying jobs that are clients. But a lot of our clients are just average, everyday working, kind of middle-class Americans like you and I. But they did, they did the magic trick, right? They started saving early, and they committed to savings. No matter what, they put that money in their retirement account every paycheck, and when you do that for decades, you wake up a millionaire. And, and, and that's surprising to some people to hear that that can really be a reality. Yeah, our typical client is is kind of um, the millionaire next door. You know, it's an excellent book from the 90s where they did a study and they it was kind of it's kind of funny where it starts out. They said, well, we want to interview what makes a millionaire. 
And they, they had a mailing list and they sent out all these invitations and they rented a ballroom and they got caviar and champagne. And then most of the people showed up were not what they expected. And when they did this study, they found that typically these were people that had been you know, married for you know, maybe 25 years, been in the same job for a long time, been diligent savers, lived in a house in a neighborhood beyond you know, less than they could afford, maybe driving an older car. They were just disciplined savers. So a lot of the people we meet with, uh, in fact, last week I met with someone who's in the same job for 47 years. He told me when he started, he was he was uh, raking up the gravel in the parking lot. And then years later, he'd moved up to a higher position, but he just diligently saved over all those years and it accumulates. It's It's not the... You know, we've got the lottery winners and the people that inherit, but most of it is just somebody who's been a disciplined saver and over the years gets to a point where they've accumulated a nice amount. And then it's uh, in many cases, they're happy to surprise that not only do they have enough for their lifetime, they've got enough for um, the next generation. And that's where the legacy planning comes in and where you can start talking about things like charitable giving. And it, it starts to be a lot of fun. And I like to see the the progression where somebody goes from okay I'm worried if I'm going to have enough okay I'm fine and then hey you know I can retire early and then hey I'm going to have money left over there's just that your thinking changes in what becomes important to you and there's always another step on the or another you know road to go down on the roadmap but it becomes a lot more um, fun when you're talking about going from am I going to have enough to how am I going to give this away. That is great. And there's so many tax advantages and things you can do there. And Randy, just I want to talk a little bit. You and I are not attorneys, so we want to make that you know abundantly clear. But um, I think one of the mistakes that some people have it revolves around a revoking, revocable living trust. Right. I mean, just about every family, every individual has a different legacy they want to create. And because that type of planning isn't one size fits all, it's important to understand some rule of thumbs as to whether you want to consider a revocable living trust or not. And there's a few planning documents that are essential in almost all situations. Um, revocable living trust could be one of those, not necessary for everybody. Often this is referred to as a living trust. It's a legal entity created to hold and manage an individual's assets while they're alive. The trust is then used to transfer those assets excuse me, smoothly to designated beneficiaries when that person passes. And not having one can bring up a couple issues. Assets that are not held in trust must go through the probate process if there's not a named beneficiary. Probate is a court-supervised procedure that can be both time-consuming and costly. And depending on the jurisdiction, a probate process can last several months to years, keeping the assets tied up and possibly incurring legal fees and court costs. Now, in Wisconsin, it's not that bad. Michigan isn't bad either from a probate cost perspective. But you may just not want to go through that because that is a public proceeding. That means the details of your estate, including assets, debt, beneficiaries, become a matter of public record. And, and exposure can potentially invite unwanted scrutiny or opportunistic behavior from external parties. Without a clearly outlined trust, your estate may be more susceptible to disputes among potential heirs, and this can further extend that probate process, ratcheting up those legal costs and, and just discord to the family in general. So one of the first steps to avoiding the pitfalls associated with not having a trust, quite simply, is to consider establishing one. It's a legal document that's drafted by an attorney, an important process when transferring is, is actually, excuse me, transferring the assets to the trust. One of the big mistakes I see, Randy, is people go, oh, yeah, I got a trust, and we look at it. 
but nothing's titled. Nothing been transferred into the trust. So could have been an expensive document that's really doing nothing at the time. So that's really important. It's going to have a trustee that's appointed to be the responsible person for managing the assets within the trust, according to the grantor. That's the person who makes the trust according to their wishes. And it's essential to choose someone who's reliable, trustworthy, capable of handling those responsibilities. Financial situations and family, family dynamics can change. So you want to regularly review this. And if necessary, update the trust to make sure it aligns with the current wishes and circumstances of the grantor or the person that created it. Now, we know legacy planning can be complex, so engage with a qualified estate planning attorney. He or she can provide some clarity to help ensure all the legalities are correctly addressed and that the trust is set up in the most beneficial manner. Randy, that's one of the reasons why we have an estate planning attorney um, that we work with right here. She specializes in wills, trusts, powers of attorney, different types of irrevocable trust. If you're trying to protect money from a nursing home or have some you know, special needs kids or, or whatever it might be, um, I, I think... I my my recommendation when it comes to finding an attorney it doesn't have to be the one that we recommend but I think it's really important to find a specialist right there there's mm-hmm. attorneys that kind of dibble and dabble in different things and this is an area where there are a lot of intricacies so getting it right is important that can mean a successful transfer of the assets or it can be a, a mess if it's not done properly so just like we work with people that are in retirement or nearing retirement. That's what we specialize in. We encourage you to find an attorney that really is speci- specializes in elder law, estate planning, things that are specific to this particular problem that you're trying to solve. So, yeah, great topic. We're talking about legacy uh, planning and how tax planning fix- kind of builds into that. And, you know, one of the other mistakes, Randy, people make, I mentioned it briefly before the break, is not retitling assets into the trust and this is a common scenario that someone goes through the effort cost establishing their revocable living trust believing they've taken a significant step towards a simplified legacy plan for their loved ones not only to neglect some of the most crucial steps and you know even the most meticulously crafted trust document serves no purpose if assets aren't properly retitled into the trust and One of the primary reasons for setting this up is to bypass the probate process. But if assets aren't retitled, they're still going to go through probate. And and over time, individuals acquire additional assets. If those aren't put into the trust, they could be overlooked. Assets outside of the trust might be distributed based on state intestacy laws or a will, which may differ from your wishes or your directives from the trust. And this this discrepancy can cause a lot of confusion, disputes, beneficiaries. One of the reasons, Randy, we, you know, the attorneys we work with, that's one of my mandates to them is there's none of this business where you write the trust and say, hey, client, attaboy, go get them, right? Part of the process is they have to be involved and get everything titled, <laughs> you know, whether it's the home, different accounts, obviously for managing the financial accounts, we help with that. But I think this business where you just say, okay, go do it. People intend to, don't understand, misunderstood, meant to get to it, whatever whatever happens, and it can be problematic. Yeah, I, I think the most common thing we see when we meet with the new family and we go through our process and our, our retirement roadmap stop, the first one is family. And it's there for a reason because it's very important. And we talk about wills and trusts and those things. And 
I would say most of the people we meet with do not have a will. Uh, so that's a, that's a place to start. But the people that have a will and have a trust, the next most common thing we see is they haven't funded it, as you've mentioned it. So that's one of the things that happens when you've got a team that doesn't work together. You've got your investment person handling the investments and your estate planning attorney putting the trust together, but they never talked and retitled. And they've got their CPA who's looking at the taxes, but never talking to the other ones. So it's really important to have a unified team holistically looking at all of those different areas because they all strongly affect the other ones. So making sure that you get the assets into that trust is not only part of the trust process, it's also part of the investment and the tax process. So they, they all have to work together. And every we, we use the, the, the five fingers on the hand to illustrate the five stops in the retirement roadmap. And, and you know, you've got to have all the fingers working together. Otherwise, it's, it's very disjointed and there's going to be things that are missed. Hey, podcast fans, if you're ready to take the next steps to create your retirement ready roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, that can certainly happen. And, and those missed things sometimes may seem like minor things, but they can really be the points that become sticking points. And, you know, I, I would say, at least for me, Randy, I'm sure you would agree, but one of the hardest parts for me, as much as I absolutely love what we do, I mean, I, I love the idea that we get to help families, you know, kind of cross over this bridge into retirement, which can be a emotional, difficult emotionally for some people. Financial stuff can scare people, right? Maybe you're one of those folks that maybe doesn't fully understand finances and how it's all going to come together. You just did what you were supposed to do. You stuck money away, and now you're supposed to start taking money out. It can be scary, and we get to help with that, which I absolutely love. The hard part, though, is you know naturally you grow close with your clients, and you develop some great relationships, and then people pass, and sometimes they pass away way sooner than you hoped. And, and that's where we've seen estates that are set up properly that are pretty smooth and easy for the family and and there's ones that have been nightmares because they maybe didn't meet us in time or whatever the case might be and, and they can just drag on and on and your family's already going through this emotional turmoil and, and now they're stuck really trying to figure this all out and going through that kind of physical turmoil as well which is hard yeah that that's most people don't from my experience, don't seem to be internally motivated that, Hey, I need to do all of this stuff to make sure that it's, it's taken care of. It's motivated by having a negative experience from a parent or an uncle or an aunt, or in some cases, a child that's passed and they don't have a plan and going through years and years and lots of time and expense. And, and it just, it just drags on and on and on. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, I am not going to put my family through that. So if people are listening today, I don't wish that you go through that. Hopefully that this will be the motivation to to do that, get it in place. It's not typically the most fun process for people because you're talking yeah. about things that are not enjoyable, but it makes it so much easier for the next generation to just come in and say, it's all been taken care of. It really does. And I, and I think with a good fiduciary, some of these difficult topics to think about, they don't have to be prolonged. You can work through them in a pretty timely manner and just make sure that plan is set. So the family's taken care of, you know, people aren't going to have this big, you know, kind of difficult time to go through. A couple other real quick, uh, you know, kind of estate planning blunders, if you will, Randy. 
not having a durable power of attorney or naming the wrong person. Now, the durable power of attorney is really an important tool in legacy planning. And often when your attorney drafts your living trust, they will simultaneously draft this power of attorney to create a comprehensive legacy plan. However, this isn't always the case, and it's important for individuals to recognize the distinct value of a durable power of attorney apart from the trust. Even those who have not opted for a living trust might consider having a durable power of attorney. Simply put, while a living trust helps ensure the assets are handled and transferred smoothly, the durable power of attorney ensures that someone is there to manage all financial affairs, irrespective of where the assets are held, in case you're incapacitated, unable, or unwilling to make your own financial decisions. Not having this document in place or designating the right person for this role can lead to some pretty major complications. Without it, if a person becomes incapacitated, a court might have to appoint a conservator or guardian to manage the affairs. That process can be time-consuming, expensive, may not re result in selection of the person that you would have chosen. And, and without a clear appointee, decisions related to the individual's assets can be delayed, causing missed opportunities or penalties. And if there's no designated person or if the wrong person is chosen, it can result in family disagreements, potential legal battles over who should handle the affair. So you really want to set this up. Picking the right person is important. You also want to make sure you have an advanced health care directive. So similar to the durable power of attorney, this document is going to appoint someone and make the right health care decisions for you. It's often known as a living will or a medical power of attorney, and that's allowing that person to make those decisions if you have an illness, incapacity, or unwilling to make your own health care decisions. And again, that's normally included, but it could be missing. If you don't have a clear directive on what your wishes are, medical professionals could be unsure about the course of action to take, especially when regarding life-sustaining treatments. In the absence of a directive, a family member could be left alone agonizing about making medical decisions. If the individual had a preference against certain prolonged treatments or inter interventions, if you don't have this directive, that wish might not be followed. And you might have contentious situations. We've heard some of these kind of publicly drawn out battles over the years in the media where family members disagree on what should happen. And that can cause a lot of problems as well. And, and really everyone, regardless of current health status, should consider creating an advanced health care directive. This document can clearly outline the specifics concerning treatments, interventions, and life care, and who's going to make those decisions. This is someone trusted to make a medical decision on your behalf if you could should become incapacitated. So make sure the person understands and respects your wishes. You know, as with other legal documents, you really want to look at it on a regular basis after major life events or if your personal feelings or medical decisions might have changed. And you want to share those details with the close family members and friends who can help prevent conflicts and ensure everyone's really on the same page. Ensuring your primary health care provider has a copy is important as well. This can streamline decisions in urgent situations. And I think it's important, Randy, to pick the right person. I'll tell you a quick story in my family. When my parents created their documents, initially they named me as the health care and the financial power of attorney. And I came back and said, well, hold on a second. Uh, first of all, my sister is a master's degree in nursing. She's forgotten more about health care than I'll ever know. And frankly, 
when it comes to the medical stuff, she's probably less emotional than me. I might have a harder time making those decisions based on their wishes, where my sister understands the medical consequences and, and is going to follow that because it's part of her world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it made sense for me to be the financial power of attorney. So I said, I think we really need to split this and really assign the appropriate person. So sometimes there's a sense, I want to name all the kids, but... Pick the right person. And, and I, I hate to say this, but if it's an even number of kids, that doesn't work either. We need an odd number so there's a tiebreaker. You hate to think about something like that when it comes to these decisions, but we've been doing this long enough that we've seen that happen and we want to help you avoid it. Granted, we're talking about legacy planning. And we've talked about some of the big mistakes you can make, but I think it would be an error. And, and we've had a number of people reach out and say they really liked the tax episode we did recently and wanted us to dive deeper. But a big part of legacy planning is making sure that Uncle Sam, the IRS, doesn't become the biggest beneficiary. So tax planning is so critical. Right. When, once you've done that plan and you see, okay, we're we're fine. We're going to have the income to make it through retirement and we're going to have money left over. We have to take a look at, well, what's going to happen with that money when it's left over? How are we going to pass it on? And as you mentioned earlier, determining the order of withdrawals from which type of account, the different types of accounts become extremely important when it comes to passing it on to your to your heirs. So like a Roth IRA, you've already paid the taxes. You don't pay taxes anymore. Your heirs don't pay taxes. That's one of the best ways to pass money on to your heirs. If you're passing on an IRA that has a tax bill associated with it, and there's a pretty good chance with rising taxes that Uncle Sam will become your biggest beneficiary. And most people don't think about that. Generally, when we bring this concept up, the first people are like, hey, whatever, if they're lucky to be getting something, if they get anything, you know, they'll, they'll be happy. And it's like, well, yeah, but, but would you like, wouldn't you like to give them a little more and a little less to the government? So there's some pretty simple things that we can do just by, you know, taking action and taking a look at the at the tax code to reposition things. Another thing, some people say, hey, I want to bounce my last check, but I also want to be passing money on to my heirs. So that's where life insurance, which maybe they had a need for it early in their marriage and career where they've got a mortgage and they got kids in the house and they've that's no longer the case. They don't have a need for life insurance anymore. Suddenly, when it comes to estate planning, say, like, okay, well, if we pass on life insurance, that's a that's a way to to guarantee your legacy, and you don't have to worry about cutting down on your spending. So, there's different ways to accomplish the same thing, but like we've mentioned, you have to you know make sure that your retirement is taken care of, and then it really opens up the door to a lot of really fun ideas. And we haven't even gotten into the idea of charitable giving and all the things you can do with that. Yeah, the charitable giving stuff is really impactful. And again, I'm sure people hear that, right? And they think, well, I'm not giving away, you know, massive numbers to charity. And, you know, maybe I put $20 in a basket at church or whatever the case might be. But even if you're kind of a more kind of conservative giver, you know, part of the challenge when you think back to the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act, standard deduction doubled, right? The rates came down. But because that standard deduction doubled, most of us can't itemize anymore, so we're not getting the deduction for that charitable giving. And and hopefully hopefully you're still giving out of the kind of kindness of your heart. But um, there are ways where a lot of folks can get that back. Uh, there's so many strategies, right? We're not going to have time, you know, as we're coming towards the end of the show here to cover them all. But there are a couple basic ones that folks should understand. One is called a QCD or Qualified Charitable Distribution. So if you're 70 and a half and giving anything, I don't care if you're giving 10 bucks to $20 to a charity, it probably makes sense to do a QCD. 
all that is essentially, you have to be 70 and a half. And now some people might be saying, well, Tony, I thought the RMD age changed. This is separate. So I'm not, I'm not making a mistake here. <laughs> 70 and a half is the number. But basically, directly from your IRA, that custodian will send the money to the charity of your choosing. So that not only comes out of your IRA, which normally a withdrawal would be taxable, it comes out tax-free to that charity, but it also reduces dollar for dollar your required minimum distribution that year. So if you're in a situation where, boy, I'm taking out my required minimum distribution because I have to, but I don't really need the money and I don't want the extra taxable income, that can be a great, great solution. Now, another simple solution you can do is a plan called a DAF. Now, if you've never heard of it, that stands for Drake is an awesome financial advisor. (laughs) That was my big joke, right? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think I have one of those there. Let me just find it here. There we go. (laughs) Not very funny, I guess, but I guess I'll not take up comedy. But no, all kidding aside, that's called a donor advised fund. And the idea there is simple, a little tough to talk about just over the radio, easy to illustrate when we're sitting down together, but we can bunch a number of years of contributions together to maximize a deduction in that current year to either drive us into a lower tax bracket, or we can layer strategies, we can get that big deduction, do a Roth conversion, which would normally be taxable, maybe eliminate that tax bill. Now that money's growing tax-free, coming out tax-free. So there's some great things that we can do to layer these together. Yeah, that the qualified charitable distribution, the donor advice fund, I think those are the two things that when we bring it up to a new family where their eyes light up, if they're charitably inclined, they realize they probably have not been able to take the itemized deduction since 2017. And people are like, wow, how come I've never heard of that before? Uh, that's It's nothing new. It's been around forever. It's just probably not uh, a topic that a lot of investment firms are talking about. So as a, you know, that we specialize in retirement and we have a lot of really giving people that we work with, we've had to uh, delve into these areas. And a couple of weeks ago, I went with a a new individual who was evaluating us. And she's like, I've been listening to the show for years and I've been doing QCDs for a long, long time. And she was very excited and proud. And and I thought, oh, that's, that's fantastic. Usually that's a new concept for someone. And she was really excited about that. And then when we talked about the donor advised fund, which also made a lot of sense, you know, but even beyond giving while you're alive, there's strategies that happen when once you're gone, when money's left over and things you can do. And we touched on them a little bit last time with charitable remainder tr- trusts and charitable lead trusts. But it's a very interesting and powerful area. There's a lot of ways that we can legally avoid or minimize taxes. Uh, and I, I like to tell people it generally doesn't make sense to do charitable giving to get a tax deduction. But if you are doing charitable giving, you definitely can leverage that in many, many, many different ways. Yeah. And, and you brought up there are some more advanced tax strategies. Charitable remainder trust, charitable lead trust can be one of those. Those can work particularly well if you're giving to charities on a, on a little bit grander basis or they can be a great strategy. And this has been interesting, Randy, over my career. Sometimes I've created somebody, I, we kind of created them to be charitable-minded when they weren't necessarily, when we walked them through this. And and the idea simply is if you have a capital asset, so, so think about maybe it's a piece of real estate that maybe you don't want to deal with at this stage in retirement, but you're saying, but I just don't want to pay the capital gains tax. Right, and you don't want to do a 1031 exchange. That's where you can exchange properties because maybe you're looking to get out of it. Or maybe you have a business you're selling that would be subject to a large capital gain tax. Maybe it's a stock. 
that has large capital. Maybe you've held it for 20 or 30 years and it has a ton of appreciation in it. There's some great ways where we can utilize the tax benefits of a charitable remainder trust. So we can donate that asset to the trust and then the trust can sell it. There's no taxes when the trust sells it. So not only do we get the deduction for giving it to the trust, we also avoid the capital gains tax. Now, in the case of a charitable remainder trust, it has to pay out some income. So oftentimes we can use that income to purchase other products to replace that asset. Because you might be saying, well, that's great, Tony, but I just gave this big asset away and my family's not going to get it. Oftentimes, if you're healthy, we can use that newfound income from the charitable remainder trust to buy products that will replace that value, sometimes replace it income tax-free to the estate. So I, I know that's tough to follow when you're just listening you know, on, on a podcast or the radio here, but um, point being, there are some great strategies that you need to think about. And I think one of the things we hear very often is my advisor just isn't talking about this stuff. Yeah, the investments, everybody talks about investments, and I, we like to use travel analogies here with our retirement roadmap, but the, the investment is the vehicle to take you where you want to go. But you would never just have a vehicle and not a destination. So when you take a look at what what is the destination, I want to retire at, at 65, and I want to have $10 million when, uh, when I pass, and I want to give $5 million to charity and $5 million to my heirs. Okay, based on that destination, then we can put a plan in place and you kind of back into the investments. You pick the vehicle once you've determined the destination. You don't start with the vehicle. I often joke that you'd never go to a travel agent and say, hey, how fast does the plane go? They'd go, what plane? Where are you going? I don't want to, I just want to talk about the plane. Our industry is known for doing that. Our portfolio did 8.6% or we can beat your advisor. Well, it's not about the rate of return you're getting. It's determined what do you need. If you can bury the money in your backyard and you're going to be absolutely fine, we're going to let you know that. You yeah. know, If you need to be more aggressive than is, is in your risk tolerance, we're not going to do that. We're going to say, hey, maybe we need to retire a little later, spend a little less, save a little bit more. The vehicle is important. You're not going anywhere without it, but it's not where you start. It's a little bit later down the pathway once you've defined these other things. And I think it's important, Randy. I mean, you know, let, let's face it. We know the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act is, is expiring at the end of 25. So we know for sure taxes are going up. We're going into this political season. They're all going to tell us they use the same number that taxes aren't going up for people making 400000 or less. That's not true. January 26, everyone's tax rates are going up unless you're in that very first tiny tax bracket. Um and, and our goal with this tax planning is to really get you in a state where we have some tax-free Sounds like tax-free. Tax <laughs> just like, just a sense of calm to yes, me, Randy. Like but, Colgate, but, take me that's right. Colgate. What is it? Take me away. That. That's right. I love it. <laughs> but really, you know, at the heart of legacy planning is the simple act of being ready. It's about making sure your wishes, big or small, known are known and respected, whether it's about your health, finances, or what happens with that family heirloom. It's really like creating a roadmap for the times you might not be able to give direction. Bottom line, don't put this off. Life is unpredictable and waiting for someday might leave you in a pickle. Dive in, get informed, make those decisions. If this all sounds a bit overwhelming, don't sweat it. While we're not a law office and don't provide legal advice, we can help guide you. That is a completely complimentary process with us, and we would love to help. And we thank you for tuning in to the Retirement Ready Show. Hey, podcast fans. If you're ready to take the next steps to create your Retirement Ready Roadmap, 
then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Drake & Associates LLC is an independent financial services firm that utilizes a variety of investment and insurance products. Advisory services offered through Drake & Associates LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Drake & Associates LLC is not permitted to offer. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Drake & Associates LLC.